0: that we may go home and be even more bold to preach the gospel and see many come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Man, what a weekend. So many amazing testimonies. My only regrets is I could not have enough lunches and dinners with people uh, just to be with everyone. If we could just put the, the house lights on, that'd be great if we can can do that and are you guys you guys good you need more air are you you guys doing well we can move that thing over there I just don't want to get too hot what an incredible weekend you know this the whole series has been revolved around this phrase that I felt like God put on my heart as I was preparing an international God wants an international church and that's what he's always had in mind in fact, even way back, it starts in the, the beginnings of Genesis 1 when he created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. And he created man. He'd always dreamed as a family to be fruitful and multiply, to bring a family together. To And I, I'm, I'm so thankful that we get to see that uh, actually on... Uh, his plans actually unfold and come together. And we get to see that here. And my only hope... Is that we would continue to grow in diversity, we would continue to grow in in that international church here right here in Orlando, of course, but also that we might go and see god 's church come together in the nations, that we would have an international heart because we have an international God, and that God is always wanting to save people uh, in the nations, as you I have a map i 've said in every basically every room in our house, to be a reminder again. I have lots of reminders, uh, the Bible in different places in my house, to, that the Word of God is essential. Uh, you know, the, the prayer book that we have that we've handed out to people, the journal, just a reminder, we are a dependent people. Also, the nation's globe. Someone bought me a globe for Christmas. It's like a little, little globe I, I keep on my dresser. And as soon as I wake up, I grab my Bible and I remember the nation's. I remember to pray for them because I could actually do that even though I'm not on a plane I know that God is omnipresent and he can be everywhere at all times and in fact when I pray he acts even though I'm not there what a wonderful God that we have well Acts 10 we can't believe that was yesterday can you? (laughs) that was yesterday morning (laughs) so much has happened But we talked about Acts 10, and and virtually we're going to have a review of that. Peter uh, gives his testimony to the other apostles, and he is explaining what actually happened in Caesarea when the Gentiles came to Jesus. And we we unpacked that. I couldn't believe that. I I, I believe I started at 10:35, and we ended at 12:35. I think that's now an all-time record now for uh, <laughs> some of you guys who just came to here you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but we unpacked a, a very important chapter in the book of Acts. In fact, one of the most important chapters in the Bible. And the reason why Luke is now repeating this chapter, anytime you see in your Bible a repetition, you should pay attention to that. Because... Luke, who the writer of Acts is, wanting us to pay attention. He was the writer of, uh, of the Gospel of Luke as well. And he's writing this second part. He's writing part two, and he's wanting us to understand. He's, he's pointing something out. He's saying, hey, this is very important. This has been God's heart for a long time. He didn't just all of a sudden change his mind and say, you know what? I'm kind of getting bored with the Jews. Maybe we could just expand the church now. This has always been a part of his plan. He's always wanted an international church. And so, why don't you turn with me to Acts chapter 11. And what we're going to do today is we're going to bring this all to a close this morning. And if you're taking notes, which I encourage you to do, you know, how many know that when God speaks, He expects you to remember that? You know, as we take notes because we realize we're weak, we're busy lives, and we can always go back to them I go back to them often uh, notes from the past and notes. I just actually went back and read some notes when we were at a conference in September it was very encouraging to go back and see what I had written down um, and of course the promise in John says that the Holy Spirit will always give you uh, bring back to memory what he's taught you that's his job he will remind you of the truths of Jesus So everything that you hear this morning that's of of God, he is going to remind you later. But it's important to write those things down. So there's five elements of an international church. Number one, it's preparing. God is preparing people for an international church. In fact, he's preparing us for one. He's decluttering our hearts. He's moving things around so that he can bring in the right things. He's removing things that are not right, that are mindsets that are not of him regarding perhaps any prejudices we might have as we looked at in Acts chapter 10. But also he's now wanting to prepare us for an international church to, to, for unity in our hearts. Number two, establishing. He wants to establish his church. Now look, the apostolic call that we have as a church, we do have that. We are an apostolic church, meaning that we want to be a part of uh, partnering with God to plant other churches. Now, we're not saying, by the way, we're not saying that we are apostles, as you saw in the book of Acts, those have ceased, those type of apostles. Second uh, Corinthians uh, 12 speaks of that, 12.12, 12, that there's a... Uh, those apostles had miraculous signs and wonders. In fact, their shadows were healing people. Uh, My shadow, last time I checked, didn't heal a soul. I wish it did. (laughs) It'd be nice. Uh, But we don't have that kind of power because the the word of God has been uh, written and we don't add to that. In the book of Revelation, it says we don't add to the words of Scripture or take them away. We have the inspired, inerrant, authoritative, sufficient word of God that has been preserved for now, for all of eternity. But we are apostolic Meaning that we do take land All apostolic means is we're sent ones We're sent to Japan We planted a church there over seven weeks We're following up with them We're strengthening, which is my third point Strengthening God wants to grow his church And last, he wants to fund it He wants to fund the international church and I, I want to introduce to you guys a few different ways that we can be a part of the international church this morning. As you get more towards the latter half of the message, I want to give you a few maybe practicals that we can be a part of that. Now, of course, we're always going to do short-term missions. And right now, because the borders are closed, we have said, God, where are you leading us? He led us to Detroit to work, some, work amongst the, the Muslims in Hamtramck and Dearborn. And man, that was an incredible time together. And God highlighted the nation's capital. In fact, we're going there with the the elders in training on March 26th. We're going back to the nation's capital. It'll probably be my fourth time in five months, I think, altogether. They're in December, they're in January, they're in March, and then, of course, May. We need to sow more seeds of both the gospel message and prayer in the nation's capital. How many of you know that you, you, you can't complain, uh, if, if you're, you, can't, you can't speak of what's wrong, going on and what's wrong without being a man or a woman of prayer. You, you can't, when we go to Washington, D.C., I want my heart to break for Washington, D.C. I don't want to complain about politics or anything. Those people need the gospel as much as Orlando does, as much as uh, Sweden does, or Mexico, or wherever else. That we want to be a people of prayer. We want to be a people of, of boldness, of cur- courage to share the gospel. And so how encouraging is that to have our leaders, uh, the, the, the ones who are spiritually leading the church, again, to go before, to be the Joshua's and Caleb's, to go before the people and to prepare the way again for our church to go. And I would really encourage you guys, To sign up, if you haven't signed up and if you're worried about money, we've always said in this church, please do never, ever make money an issue. Now, we don't want to enable you, we don't always want to just give you a handout, but we do want to be there to think and ask God for creative ways to get you the money that you need to go overseas or to go domestically here. So, number one, God is preparing for an international church and it starts with unity. Chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. This wasn't going well to their ears. Of course, you know, as I explained last week, the animosity that was happening between the Jews and the Gentiles, it was atrocious. It was one of the the biggest divisions that we saw in the Old Testament leading into the New. And when Peter came to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him saying, you went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them? But Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in an orderly sequence, saying this, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. An object was coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. And when I had fixed my gaze on it, And was observing it, I saw four-footed animals of the earth and wild beasts and crawling creatures and the birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice from heaven answered a second time, what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. This happened three times and everything was drawn back up into the sky. And behold, at the moment, three men appeared at the house, which we're stay, which we were, where we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. The Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. These six brethren also went with me, and we entered the man's house. And he reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in the house and saying, send to Jop- Joppa and have Simon, who's also called Peter, brought here. And he will speak the words to you by which you will be saved." you and all your household. And as they began to speak, he spoke the, the gospel, he preached the gospel, and, and the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he did among us in the beginning. Isn't that beautiful? And I remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift, as he gave us to us also having believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? You know, we need to get used to that phrase. Anytime we have an opinion about something, anytime we think we're higher or better than, we just need to pause and say, who am I to stand in God's way and his plans? When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God. They believed it, saying, well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also repentance that leads to life. What a beautiful, amazing God we have. Went through all that trouble. And even, I would say, the Holy Spirit went through all that trouble to repeat. Luke was probably thinking, why do I need to repeat? I mean, I could save some paper. But God was saying, look, I want my people 2,000 years later to understand that I am an international God. That I love all peoples. That I have no partiality. That I want to save the nations. And it was always a part of his plan. You know, that starts with unity. It says here in Ephesians 4, 1 through 5, it says, Therefore I... The prisoner of the Lord implore you to walk in a manner worthy of, his, of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. that is all of our job. We hear so much about unity today, don't we, in the news. There is one body, one spirit just as also you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. God's heart is for unity in this church. See, he's preparing us for the challenges that come in other nations and we don't know their divisions. Right, We don't know the intricacies of the different divisions when we go to Europe and all the complexities that are there. Some of us remember that. Some of us remember some of the complexities when we went overseas in 2016 when we went to Belgium. We were the only church in our movement that signed up for that in the beginning and after us. There's a few more. But I remember the list. I mean, we could have gone to Thessalonica and I've always wanted to see that part of the world and Greece and Athens and there's all sorts of nice places. I think one of them was Italy, Sicily. I was like, I definitely want to go there. I'm Sicilian. And, um, you know, I, there's all these, like, the, 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 it's the home of the cannoli. I mean, we, we got to go. And, and I, I'm just thinking in my flesh, I'm thinking, hey, let's, let's go. And, and there's, like, all these churches. I am like, oh, we would love to partner with these guys, these guys. Blank. Belgium, blank. <laughs> I think I wonder why. Started researching it. then I found out, oh, We've always said, "Hey, Lord, if no one else wants to go, send us." So we signed up. March, right before we left, a few months before. I remember being at uh, UCF and Barnes& Noble just studying there and then uh, meeting a few people for discipleship. And I remember looking right up at the news and I'm thinking, "Oh my goodness, what in the world's going on? CNN on the bottom, Belgium, terrorist attack. Uh, Brussels, Belgium, in the, the underground, in the subway. A bomb went off, killed a bunch of people. I'm thinking, this is going to be a long day. I know I'm going to field a lot of questions. I know I'm going to have a lot of phone calls from parents, and I did. <laughs> and I remember one parent saying, hey, look, I, I can't send my child. It's just too... It's too dangerous. And I I said, Sir, I totally understand. I understand, but we've got to go. We have to go. We've been called to go. And that was hard. Because I I mean, these things are like earthquakes. They're aftershocks. I mean this just it keeps it keeps going. These things don't stop. And so I'm thinking and of course we went there, we went to Belgium and we had another terrorist attack. There were there was a threat and we were down there. I remember Nicole getting a phone call and She's like, we got to get out of here now. There's a guy that was all strapped up, I guess, in one of the other subways. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, I don't know, are we going to make it out of here? Our kids are at home. We had to, we had to do a, what is it, a notary for uh, just saying, hey, we, if we were to die, we send our kids to the grandparents in Chicago. And I mean, it was a costly thing. And I just remember my heart was being so. fast. I'd never seen so many uh, military. There was. Milita- uh, there was military everywhere. I mean, police. You know, the the you know in in the United States the the sirens not, is annoying, but in Europe if you're you know what I'm talking about do, do, do. And so it's like it's scary. It's very gloomy. It's scary. like <laughs> it's like watching the the old World War Two movies. You know. I, I just, it was a, it's just a, a gloomy scene. It's just an eerie scene of what's going to happen. I mean, people are just kind of almost like walking around like they're zombies. They don't even, it, lifeless, without God, a godless place. And all these refugees that came in from Syria and Afghanistan and all these places in the Middle East. And so many of them died. They, they were shipwrecked or they were, uh, they had uh, what they called, um, Uh, the life life jacket graveyard Um, and and just that people would come off of ships and throw their life jackets onto this big heap and just be this big old uh, life jacket graveyard, so to speak. And as they made their way up to their so-called promised land and Germany is ultimately where they wanted to get or Scandinavia. And We found ourselves in Belgium thinking, what in the world did we get ourselves into? I mean, even they have a division, even in their country. You know, the North being the Dutch and the South being the French, if you know. And then all of a sudden, you got all these refugees coming in and all these divisions and you think racism was bad here. My goodness, once you're there, it's, I mean, they look at these people like they're nothing. All standing in line, trying to become citizens, trying to get the same rights as anybody else in the country. You know what God was doing? He was preparing our hearts. He was preparing our hearts for what is to come. That we could not have any prejudice in our hearts if we wanted to become part of building God's international church. We couldn't have it. He wouldn't allow it. Unity is important in the preparation to deal with internationals. And how many know that missions deals with people? You actually have to talk to them you have to get, uh, you have to, God has to break those barriers just to, I mean, I'm talking about just as little as maybe intellectually you have in your heart. You're saying, well, those people are people, we're people, we're good. But just the. you know, just sometimes even in your heart, you, you look at them and, and, and in, your, in your heart, you, you feel a little taller than they do. You feel like I'm better than them. I'm American. I got what I, everything I need and I got the gospel. We're the carriers of the gospel. You guys don't, I mean, just flippantly, just if you don't want it, great, move on and your heart doesn't break that you grew up in such a place with with seminaries two miles from your backyard. And these people have absolutely nothing. It's utterly godless. Colossians 3, 1 to 17 says this, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things on this earth. You want to be a great missionary? You need to continue to set your mind on things above. For you have died and all your life has been hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, to impurity, to passion, to evil desire and greed, which amounts to idolatry. God is preparing this church for a long-term building of his church internationally. And it requires us to live holy lives. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God has come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also walked when you were living in them. Don't be ignorant of your past. Realize where you came from. Don't ever forget that. But now you also put them all aside, anger and wrath and malice and slander and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. He's talking about the church, talking about us. Do not lie since you laid aside the old self, which is its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to the true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which... There is no distinction between Jew and Greek, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free man, but Christ is all and in all. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, that's what we need. We need a heart of compassion when we're standing in line and talking to drunk people. when we're we're doing the night outreaches and all the way in in the morning, please, yeah, you could be disgusted by the sin. You could be disgusted by their breath, but please do not be disgusted with them because they're people made in the image of God who need salvation. Or perhaps they have salvation and they've walked away from God and they need to be told to put on the new self, to take off the old and to be who God's called you to be. It's the same with whether it's our backyard standing in line at the pub where it's getting on a plane and going to an unknown land. We cannot afford to have any prejudice in our hearts and any unholiness in our hearts. So put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, How many of us need a reminder in that? Bear with one another. Forgiving each other. Whoever has complained against anyone. Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. That is the glue. First comes love, then unity. Not unity, then love. And there is a difference between that. Let us... Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. which what you do in service. We do that to one another when we pray with each other. Singing with thankfulness in your hearts. Whatever you do, and it's like the Curiali family, I suppose, up here doing the little aerobic deal. Uh, <laughs> singing to you the Great Commission. Singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. What a great word. We can just be done there. It's enough. Unity is extremely important in building the church. John Calvin says this, those who disrupt form the body, or from, from the body of Christ and split its unity into schisms, divisions, are quite excluded from the hope of salvation. It's pretty good. <laughs> So long as they remain in dissonance of this kind. You can't call yourself a believer and be divided or cause division. D.L. Moody said this, I've never yet known the spirit of God to work where the Lord's people Or divided. Can't happen here. We got a great vision. And we're not going to allow one person, two people, three people to ruin that amazing vision. And we're not going to be the police in that. God is. He is. Thomas Manton, who's a Puritan in 1620, says divisions in the church, listen, divisions in the church always breed atheism in the world We can keep going. There's more. (laughs) Say it again. All right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. that's, That's great. Divisions in the church always breed atheism in the world. I'll tell you, you know, wherever we go, what I love about this church, we're not like that. We're not breeding atheism in the world, we're planting churches. I mean, that's what we're doing. We went to Japan and they're just blown away by how unified we are and how loving we are. I mean, they just go on and on and on. Columbia, the same way. When we were in Sweden, I mean, they came to us. They didn't care about Disney World. They came to us on vacation. I mean, how many visitors did we have from Sweden altogether? I mean, it was incredible at different times throughout the year. They just wanted to come to our land because they wanted to see. They wanted to see us. They wanted to see the glory of God. They wanted to see unity. Their churches are dead in Scandinavia. There's no light. I mean, there's very little light. And they wanted to come here and say, man, I want to be a part of these people. They're so full of life. They're so full of joy. They know God. John Owen says this, I do verily believe that when God shall accomplish unity, it will be the effect of love, not the cause of love. It will proceed from love before it brings forth love. We've got to have love in our hearts again. Be that reminder again that we've got to love one another. We've got to be patient. And and when I was meeting with some of our elders, I was saying, you know, one of the things I did notice about this weekend you know, I've noticed so much joy, so much love and and, and and excitement for the nations and people hunger people's hunger for the Word of God. But I one of the things I did notice is there's a lot of brokenness. And I don't mean that in a sense of like, oh, there's a lot. I mean, there's just there's just brokenness. And, and what that means is it's an invitation to say, stay a while. Don't don't get caught up in say just. Understand that God has a plan for you and he's got a plan for the international church. And one of the things I talked to the guys last night is you gotta let the gospel touch you first before you let it touch them. Let it touch you. Let it, let it get in, into your hearts first. Let it touch you. Let that word about love touch you. Let that word about unity touch you. Don't get we need unity, we need unity. And you're like disunified in your, in your own world. You know, I, I, I have this quote because I think it's worth sharing. It, there is so much talk about unity, it's almost borderline makes me want to throw up because it's false. There's, listen to J.C. Ryle as an 1800s pastor. Unity without the gospel or truth is worthless unity. It is the very unity of hell. I'll tell you, if there I, I'll tell you what, I that is what's happening in our nation. It, it's, it's absurd. Uh, the kind of unity that we see. Oh, let's just be unified. Under what? Under your ideology? No, thank you. Under the truth of the gospel? Yes, please. You see, there is I'm say clear, there is no unity without truth, and without the gospel. In other words, the only place on the planet that can be unified is called the church. Not a business. Not the government. Not your school. Nowhere else can be unified but the church. So the next time you hear a news deal, with the President of the United States standing up there and just saying, let's be unified, false. <laughs> Makes me feel real good when I say stuff like that. <laughs> I, because, yeah, You need to understand that. And I'm, don't be duped by that little lovey-dovey, cheap love, grace, whatever they, whatever they want to call it. It's cheap. It's cheap. It's not costing anybody anything. You know that. It cost Jesus everything to unify his church. He was the first man that walked in and said, now is the time for unity. And he brought, he literally brought the church together. And he said, please, remember Colossians, Ephesians, that understand that the bond of unity is love. And who loves first? He did. And if you have a trouble you have trouble with unity just go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. What does it say? <laughs> your mind needs to be renewed with the truth, with the truth of the scriptures. Let your mind be uh, ri- uh, let uh, let the word of God richly dwell within you. In other words, guys, we don't get to define unity. I'm under I'm under this understanding of unity. I'm like I don't get to define all these like CRT, like critical race theory, Black Lives Matter is false. When you point out, it's, it's, it's counterintuitive. When you have to point out one race to say that, then you discredit all the others. Jesus just says we're one man, period. Why don't we put that everywhere? Because <laughs> it's not popular. You know, and I, and, I, and I know this makes a lot more sense today, but I said in the summer, all lives matter, and I'm sticking to it. Because they all matter. I, I, I don't know how else to say that. I don't know if that, that should not be offensive to a soul in the church. But it does to organizations, because you're taking money from them. Because really, in reality, that's what it's all about. Money is the root of all what? Evil. That's simple. All right. Number two. Praise the Lord. Uh, verse 19. So then, those who were scattered because of the persecution. How many know in the book of Acts, persecution is a glorious word? It means this church is expanding. Amen. That occurred in connection with Stephen, made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to the Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also preaching the Lord preaching the Lord Jesus. Okay, let's just stop at 20. A little bit of what's going on here. There was a scattering, remember right? You could probably say all the places that are scattering. there's a scattering out of Jerusalem into Samaria, and Caesarea, Damascus, Joppa, Lydda, and uh, Sharon. These were all that God caused persecution to happen, which he often does and still today. He causes persecution to happen so that people will get uncomfortable and begin to expand his church so more people can come in. Because left to humans and our flesh, we would just have holy huddles all the time. We would. I know I would. I mean, I admit that. I mean, it's just easier. We talk about building. We talk about all that, right? And that's what always makes me a little uncomfortable talking about buildings. Because I've always said, I mean, not that we like the schools and, and we have to You know, we have to set up and tear down and all that. And I know that's that's hard. But at the same time, it keeps us on our toes. And that's good. That is a gift from God. To not just turn off the lights and go home. But when we're working together, we're talking, we're building community, we're building unity together so that it prepares us for the outreach. And so there's a scattering that's happening. But some, uh, you know, went to Phoenicia and uh, uh, Cyprus and Antioch, which is a—I'm going to explain Antioch in a bit here—but these are coastal cities. As they go up the coast, you'll you'll see these the, the God beginning to expand up north into Lebanon and to uh, all the way up into Turkey. But these were uh, these people did not understand yet. They left Jerusalem too too early to to understand what was going on in Caesarea. They didn't know at the time, so they were speaking to Jews only. So that might look like a contradiction. You're thinking, well, man, just this big breakthrough happened, and these guys are just talking to Jews only. They Most likely, they left early, and they never heard the news yet of what was going on with God expanding his church to the Gentiles. But some of them who were Hellenistic, which means Greek-speaking Jews, they were a little more apt, I guess you could say, to speak to those Gentiles. And so they were. God was using them to speak to those people, about the gospel which is great and the only way to actually reach the world is through missions and so you see this over and over and over again that missions is the key to expansion and that's obvious but we need to continually remember that over and over again otherwise we could get caught up into pastoral care in other words we've been we we're actually talking about this we're thinking well what about next year already you know, do we like this time of year? Do we, I know, that's just the way we think, but do we like this time of year? Do we like this place? Do we like this location, all that? And some of us would think, oh, maybe we could go up to Ocala. There's probably other bigger retreat places. I was say, no, 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 no. The marvelous thing about this is that we get to do retreat and hang out with each other and build community, but just in our backyard, literally like not even a mile away, we have the city. We have outreaches. Can you imagine just coming here without the outreaches? We'd be bored out of our minds. We would. You can't, you, as soon as you take out missions from the church framework, it collapses. And I think that happens so many times as soon as we get comfortable in our... We've been talking about building lately. We have, and I'm believing for a, a God's plan, really, not our plan, but His plan for to move us out of Fountainhead. I, I, I love that place. I'm so thankful for it, but it just doesn't fit us, and it doesn't. It's not fitting to to where God is growing us. He's expanding us into our city, and so we're believing the the place that we were looking at. Just FYI, was taken, um, but there is another place, and even if that one's taken, God has another place, and so just um, be praying for. Uh, not for us, but be praying for the church because every one of you guys are owners. It's not like, oh, we'll just pray for the lead. I mean, pray for us. Yes, because we need the wisdom of God as we're leading, but pray for your church. Pray that God would give us a building. And the building is, is utilitarian in that we come here we sit and we, 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 uh, we hear the, uh, you know, we're under the apostles teaching and, and, and you know, but we're, we're, we're churches happening throughout the week. That's what makes us great, actually. I love what's happening on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursday nights and Friday at the pub and Saturday gatherings. I mean, we have stuff going on all the time, ADS, there's things happening all the time and that's what makes us great and we even live together, <laughs> so many of us. Antioch was known as the third largest Rome, uh, city in the Roman Empire. It's very important for a couple of reasons. It was right behind Rome and Alexandria. It was a great hub, but it was full of pagan worship and sexual morality. It was known for its culture, commerce. It was a, many trade routes intersected there. But you know I, what I love about this is that the disciples were not intimidated of a godless city. You know, true missionaries are not intimidated of the most godliest places on the planet because they understand who God is. They know that he can transform anyone. And they, he, they also have an, a, a theology that says nobody was born out of the womb saved. Including people in Orlando. And so we understand that just because we hear things in the news, I mean, gosh, I, I almost feel like every trip that we went on, there was always something right before we left. <laughs> it was like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> and maybe that was the enemy uh, putting intimidation in us, perhaps to to not, you know, to put fear in us so that we wouldn't go and share the gospel. But that's always going to happen. There's always there's always something going on in the world, but we cannot be intimidated. Number three, that God grows his international church. So the second one was God establishes the international church. God grows the international church. Verses 21, it says this. I'm sorry, verse 20. Yes, verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number of those believed turned to the Lord. God's hand was on them. Multiple times in the, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, anytime you see God's hand on somebody... That can mean one or two things. That can either mean judgment or blessing. (laughs) Hopefully it's the latter for you. But a large numbers were coming to the Lord. Guys, don't we want this? Isn't this the vision for international missions? Isn't this the vision to plant churches? I hope some of you guys here have gotten a vision to say, I want to be sent out of this church. I want to go, send me. I want to give my rest of my life to the nations. I want to go. And I've talked to some of you guys. You guys are like, you're right there. You're almost ready. Please don't look at yourself. The, the moment you take your eyes off the vision and the calling that God had you, has for you, and then you look at yourself and say, well, I'm not ready. I'll never be ready. I'm disqualified. All those things. Then you will disqualify yourself. But God's called you. And if he's called you, he will send you. He will actually make it. He will see you all the way through, all the way through, through the funding stage, through the team building stage, through the training stage, to then getting there and seeing large amount of people come to the Lord. And that's what we're believing for. Now, you might ask, why did it take so long to get here? And I think it's important as you're reading through the scriptures to ask questions, to wonder why. And why did it take so long? Why are you not in Jerusalem? Did God just bring uh, a bunch of foreigners or them? Just, he can just send them all the way to the foreign lands and just do it that way? Why? I'll tell you why. There's a few reasons, uh, eight different reasons. I'll fly through these as quick as I can. But number one, for, they took seven years. By the way, just hold on before one, number one. It took seven years from Pentecost to Antioch. You know, I think it's interesting that we've been on the ground for about eight and sometimes we will always wanna be a little ahead of ourselves. Like, oh, what you know, what's wrong with us? Why we haven't seen missionaries? Why haven't we haven't seen people being sent yet? And all this, God's holding your heart. hold holding your heart. It's his timing. It's about him. Because there's a multiple things happening at once, unbeknownst to us. And this is what was happening in the beginning stages of the church being birth. This is why it took so long. Number one is the apostolic authority needed to be established with the vision and mission. Now Acts one eight right we are called to to Jerusalem Judea Samaria and the ends of the earth the mission of God need to be established just like it's like with us we always talk about Jesus family mission that we are about Jesus we're about we're we're a family who seeks God together on mission that's our missional statement I suppose you can say our vision statement we need to establish that and then we establish with uh, this about Jesus and about glorifying Him and then God wants to build His church and little by little but number two that God needed to equip the church under the apostles' teaching, Acts 2, 42-47. They also needed to grow in fellowship. You know, Charles Spurgeon says this, Satan always hates Christian fellowship. It is his policy to keep Christians apart. Anything that can divide saints from one another, he delights in. He attaches far more importance to godly fellowship than we do. Since union, union is strength, He does his best best to promote separation. We talk a lot about family here, but we want a biblical family. We don't want a cheap unified family, the world's standards. We want one that is growing in the knowledge of Jesus, one who has a hunger for his word, one who the relationship at the center of it, whether it's a marriage or whether it's Guys live in a house or girls or whatever. But at the center of that relationship, at the center of that house, at the center of that vision, at the center of that purpose is Jesus and His Word. When that happens, watch the unity grow in, the, in, in your households and in the church. Number four, the development of leaders, Acts 6. Remember, The apostle is simply saying, and it's taken probably about eight years, I would say, almost in our church to finally get to the place where we can ultimately say, hey, there are some people here that need to care for the ministry of the word and prayer. And there's others that wait on tables. There's others who are pastors. There's others who are evangelists. And everybody has a role and everybody has a place to serve. But there is a development of leaders in order to sustain the growth and the expansion of the church. Number five, there was was a doctrinal foundation. There was a doctrinal foundation of unity that God wanted in international church. He was bringing the Samaritans together. He was bringing the the, the Gentiles together, the God-fearers together, and then the ends of the earth. Also, what about Acts 5, the the, the fear of the Lord? Remember that you can't just flippantly lie to the Holy Spirit and get away with it. (laughs) He was bringing clarity to how we live. Number six, they needed to be mature to be sent out so that there would be longevity to their mission. Do you know how many people, guys, come back from the mission field? Many. Many. All sorts of reasons. Immorality, burnout, unbelief. I mentioned one yesterday about France. One of the things I want to share with you guys I think would be important is that we're we need to pray and ask God for the right partnerships overseas we've learned a lot in the last so many years haven't we those who have been overseas with us in Colombia in Sweden we always meet interesting people don't we um and that's what I love about international missions is you just they're different I mean they're fun and they sometimes believe different things um but we need to, if we're going to see the longevity in sending people overseas and having churches overseas, whether we're a part of the, the establishing or what we're going to say in a second, the strengthening, God is wanting us to be wise in who we partner with and who we link arms with. And so you could be praying with us as we seek the Lord because I think right now God has it during this pandemic season. That he's slowing us down a bit and saying, hey, before I open up the gates to the to the field again, I want you to be thinking through long-term strategy and the right kind of partnerships. And that might be, uh, you know, I'm, a lot of you guys know I'm going to school right now and there's a, a part of the school that I'm going to uh, has what they call uh, mission training schools. And so one of the great things is, and this is just one idea, I'm just going to, put a seed in your mind is just an idea that we can send a couple overseas let's just say we send a couple overseas to Japan and it's about $100,000 a year to probably support them it's very expensive there it's perhaps I could even say it's double or perhaps even sometimes triple especially if you live in the big city it's outrageous so they have to go there and they have to spend three years learning Japanese now and many people say this. You could talk in English and through a translator and you can talk through that and that's totally fine and that would be somewhat effective. But unless they hear the gospel in their own native language, it's very hard for them to connect with this God. Because they're always going to say, oh, that's an, that's, a, that's an American God. And we've heard them say that. In fact, we were in Japan and they said that. They said, you know, that's really nice, but that's your God and this is our God. And we're like, no, 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 he's the God. And it's very hard to, for them to understand that. And so another strategy would be you spend, we raise $100,000 and support 100 pastors, which equal thousands of, church, thousands of people in so many churches. You see the strategy? It's a lot different, a lot more effective. So these are the, some of the things that we're just kind of toying around with and just saying, and they do have a school in Tokyo, which my, I would imagine once they open up the doors, we'll probably go visit them. We've already uh, are going to start the process of contacting them because we want them hopefully to train our guys in Kyoto. And then hopefully we'll open up our own school there and to be able to train other pastors in that area. Guys, wisdom is in the details. We can have all the vision in the world, but if we don't have an actual strategy plan, we don't have, and it's not ours, but we seek the Lord and we seek him in these things and we put him first. Wisdom is in those details. And we have some people on assignment. I mean, Alex and Jessica and Alyssa and a few others uh, uh, who are more of our administrators and they're helping us with, with some of these strategy plans so that we can get you to the nation's. Because it has to go beyond the call. You eventually got to get there. And in between the call and getting there is training. And so we're, we're please be praying with us. Number seven, it takes time to tear down the walls of prejudice. That's why it took time. I mean, how many know even in your own heart? It takes some time. In fact, here's a very encouraging example. In Galatians, this was right before the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, which we'll get to at some point. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. This is Paul talking to Peter. <laughs> For prior to the, to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. Now, this is after Peter had this extraordinary Assignment from God. And you're like, huh, Peter, I mean, come on, man. Like, I guess we have to go this through this probably three times. It's your lucky number. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, in the presence of all, if you, being a Jew, live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles Live like the Jews. Very interesting. But I also think it's encouraging if you could you can extract that because God is extremely patient with us. Very patient. Very patient. Number eight. Now they're ready to reach the ends of the earth. God totally just set the whole plan up and now from here on from Acts 12 all the way through I should say really Acts 13 it is to the ends of the earth and we literally at the end of Acts 28 we literally take the baton and go finish the task. Let's finish the task. Matthew 24:14 says that this gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth to so all ethnic groups and then what? The end will come. And how many want the end to come? Amen. But not before. Not before all nations and all ethnic groups are represented around his throne in Revelation 4 and 5. Number four, God strengthening an international church. Verse 22. The news about them reached the ears of of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch, the beloved Barnabas, So thankful for him. Then, when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with a resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. Such an encourager. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians. In Antioch Antioch wouldn't be known As an international hub And we long that Orlando Would be known that Not for the purpose of Disney And Vacation and leisure But more of a Sending place To finish the task What I love about Barnabas Is that he was a leader and a teacher in the church He was loving, he was gentle, he was a generous man He was known as the son of encouragement that's what his name means. He was full of the Holy Spirit. What I love about this is now you're beginning to see the diversity in leaders. And that what it takes to build a church like what we've seen in the book of Acts is to raise up diverse leaders. And everybody in this room is a leader of some sort. They're an owner. And what I love is that could you imagine if they picked the wrong guy for this assignment? Can you imagine if they picked a legalistic guy? To come down? No, but what did they do? They picked a Cyprian Jew. They picked, they, Barnabas is like them. They're like, okay, we got a guy. We're, the, the, the guys from Cyprus and the Cyrene, they were already reaching the, the, the Gentiles. They, they were seeing people come to the Lord. They said, hey, look, Barnabas, you're from that area. You can kind of speak the language, you, you, you know the, the culture. Go down there and, and go and do it. Guys, we don't want to make it tough for anybody to go overseas. We don't want to make it tough. This is not the purpose. We want to be men and women of wisdom. And you know what? In order for that to happen, they have to know each other. You actually have to know one another. They knew Barnabas in and out. They knew, oh, oh, it's a no-brainer. That's the guy to go. He's going to confirm what's going on in Antioch. It's going to be great. And it was. And you know what Barnabas did? He's like, I'm not enough. I got to go find Paul. Where's Paul been? <laughs> And it actually says here, in the original language, it actually says that it was was very difficult to find Paul. I can only imagine why. But as Paul was brought back, Barnabas realized, you know what? I'm a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I'm a pastor. Where's Paul? You know, sometimes we think we can do everything. Sometimes we think we can do it all. We can't. And God has called each one of you unique. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, God has he's raised up apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists and pastors. He's called up, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, he's raised up a whole body, but many members and many giftings. Some are visible, some are non-visible. And in fact, he says the ones that are not visible behind the scenes are important and worth honor, double honor, in fact. And so you're all worth something know what you can give. Know what what others can give and know what others can't give and know what you can't give yourself. And don't be ashamed of that. Cuz you're all needed. And I'm so thankful for our Barnabases in the church. I'm thankful for our pastors in the church who could come and 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 could clear things up and 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 bring unity to the church and you've done a fantastic job over this last year and even over the so many years but i love the i love the fact this is this is literally what uh pa- we need more pastors in this church we need more people to pastor people through their brokenness you know it's not okay for someone to say hey i'm committed to this church i love this church I, but i'm broken and i don't even know i can't even i have blind spots and for someone to say hey you know what i don't think you got i don't think this is for you man you're not getting it, get it together and That's not okay. Because you know what? Frankly, it probably just is, you're saying that because it inconveniences you. That's why. You know, pastoral care is not easy. But we need the ones and twos. We need the hospitality. We have people who are so hospitable. I can't help but think but the Alvarez's. My goodness, so hospitable, so giving. I just, it's like all over them. I mean, our our family would, just was sick the other day and then it, they just brought over chicken noodle soup or whatever and I was just so thankful for that or, no, or something else, chili, chili. They brought over chili. And just so, th- I mean, out of the blue, they just didn't even ask, just, this is what we want to do, we want to bless the church. You feel so loved. Be hospitable. And it says a kind word turns away wrath. I think it's equally true that when you make someone a meal, it can do the same thing, I think. <laughs> That's why Jesus ate with people. I can only imagine the exhortations from the Lord. We need more pastors, we need more strengthening of churches and I'm talking yes internationally for, for people to say hey I heard you're going on a scouting trip I want to come I want to get around their pastors I want to encourage them I want to take a team to go overseas and to bless other pastors and to make meals for them and to serve them to be with their kids to give them date nights I mean the, the, the list is endless you see the vision there's so much for everyone you don't have to be like I'm not a Paul I don't know anything about planning a church that's okay but we need Barnabas's I don't know how to train pastors. I wouldn't even know what to say, but I'd love to be with their wives. I'd love to to be with all the wives and and pour into them and love them because I know what their husbands go through. The list is endless. Acts 13, 43, it says, Now when the, the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews... And of the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas who was speaking to them and were urging them to continue in the grace of God. That's what pastors do. Oh, just continue in it. Continue in Christ. Don't give up. Continue to persevere. Acts 14.22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. First John two twenty four is, As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. He's a pastor, John. He's he's talking to the churches, he's saying, If if you heard from what there's beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. He's continuing saying, Abide, or continue in the faith, or continue in the grace of God. John eight thirty one. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. We need that both on an international scale, at a home base scale, to help our missionaries that are going overseas. I mean, it is endless, and we need it in the church to strengthen our home base. To the strength of our sending is to the is the same measure of the strengthening of home base. We absolutely need a strong home base, a unified church, so that we can have strength overseas. And of course, goes without saying, I suppose that. If your call is not overseas, but it's domestically like you want to plant a church in Philadelphia or or uh, you know San Francisco or wherever in the in, in the United States, that would be great. We would love to do like these little mini awakens and send the whole church to help you and I mean again, it is endless there's so much vision in the heart of God for his church and I love this that yes, we are to be pastoring other people, but 1 John 2.27 says this, as for you, the anointing, which is the Holy Spirit. You know, so many of the churches talk about anointing. You'll have the anointing. You'll have the anointing. It it is not taking your jacket off and blowing it at people so that the whole audience blows down. It's not an anointing. That's (laughs) foolishness. As for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, again, talking about the Holy Spirit teaching you, and it's true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you abide in him. The Holy Spirit will teach you truth. He will teach you, He will illuminate your mind to understand the scriptures. And as pastors, we're not only just helping them in their walk of life, but we're telling them that the Holy Spirit in you and Christ in you is the hope of glory, and you will understand the scriptures yourself it's both we're going to close but a few more thoughts they were first called Antioch they were first called Christians at Antioch and it was truly their badge of honor and I think we have to reclaim that word again I think we've lost it Christian means absolutely nothing today evangelical means nothing today Believer means nothing today. That's why they had to, by the way, that's why they had to come up with the, the term born again. Because they're like, well, I'm a born again. It's like, I'm not, a, you yeah, I remember this a long time ago. When I first got saved 20 years ago, I was like, oh, you're a Christian. Oh no, are you a born again Christian? What the heck? I'm, that's the same thing. Why do we have to change the verbiage? Because we gotta keep changing different, it's Christian. And I love what Peter says, for, uh, 1 Peter 4.16 it says if anyone suffers as a Christian he is not to be ashamed but it's to glorify God in his name. Are you proud of that name? Are you ashamed of that name? Are you embarrassed of that name? Christ. Christ ones just means little ones they look Little Christ, he's multiplying all over the world. When you say that next time, when you're talking to someone, ask him what Christian means. Say, "I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I I trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior." Could you articulate the gospel to me? They might get offended. They might say well, why are you, why are you asking me that? I'm just asking you a question. Why why are you asking me that? <laughs> <laughs> Keeps going back and forth. Like, okay. <laughs> but we should never be embarrassed. We should never try to change. We don't need to change love to like. We don't need to change the verbiage of the Bible. To fit the modern culture. Love is love. Christian is Christian. And we don't need to change it. And last, the fifth one is God funds his international church. Money's no object. I've never seen anybody that wants to go, is called to go, not go. Never. Never, never, never. Even during the youth ministry day, (laughs) these youth had like no money at all. I mean, zero. Their parents used all their monies for drugs. Used all their money for alcohol. See them passed out on the floor. Somehow they got money to go to Denver, Chicago, DC, Ohio, they went. Atlanta. We serve the God of the Impossible. He owns all the the banks in the world and more. The banks are a mockery to him. He paper doesn't mean anything. He didn't even need to send Philip on an airplane. He just said go, and he's snatched up and left. He didn't even have to pass through TSA. He just, if God wants you there, you're going to be there. <laughs> it's simple. But we need to be a generous church. We need to be a generous church. Yes, God's going to fund his ministry, but that means taking out a wallet. That means going online. That means, act- that means something. It doesn't just appear out of the blue but it means being a generous people. And he's preparing us to be that because he sees the vision. He's telling us, look, I want to expand this church. I want to expand you all over the world. And that's going to take money. And I love that these, these again, I think it goes without saying, but this was Antioch. I have nothing, nothing to a correlation to us by any means. I mean, that's where we got the name because we're a hub for the nations. But, but this was Antioch, a church of Gentiles and Jews coming together. And these people came down from Jerusalem, probably shocked me, like, what in the world's going on? This prophet stands up. Now at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and be, began to indicate by the spirit that there would be certainly a great famine all over the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius which by the way they found you could trust the word of God Claudius's reign lasted from 41 to 51, 54 AD and the famine actually happened they have all these materials that talk about it from 45 to 46 and in the, pro, uh, in the proportion that any of the disciples had means each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea and this they did sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. This is the Gentiles raising money for Jews. The barriers are demolished. And now it's the beginning working of an international church. What a glorious, amazing God we have. He's real. It just You expound the scriptures and you can see how amazing he is. It's like an, I mean, just you're peeling it away and you're getting down deeper into the depths of the Lord and it just gets better and better and better and better and better and better and better. It's absurd to me ever when I hear, oh, I'm kind of bored. I've, I've heard this before. That's a bummer. Please do not harden your heart today by the deceitfulness of sin. And there's a lot of brokenness in this room and I know that. Please stay with it. It's worth it. And in your 20 years, you will, I've gone through ups and downs and valleys and mountaintops and I was studying Psalm 23. And one of the things that says, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you fear no evil because his rod and his staff come from me. We're not talking about the, the craziest times that you could possibly go to as if you're almost on the brink of death. No, 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 no. That word in Hebrew, the valley of the shadow of death is an expression of a gloomy day. And we've all had them, haven't we? It just means a gloomy, depressing day that you don't feel like you want to get up that day. But it doesn't mean you're dying. It not mean you're, it just it's not some drastic situation. It just means you're just going through a hard season. You're just going through some tough things. But his rod and his staff, they comfort you. The church does. And I'm believing that it's not over for you some who are broken all of us are but some of you just feel like I get all this other stuff but I just got so much stuff going on God can deal with all that it's a commitment to him it's a saying yes picking up your cross and following him for all of eternity to all the way to the end and that perseverance is in you that is not your work that is the spirit's work in you and you rely on him so as we close today, I, I want to I wanna pray for us, but I, I would love to have the, if I could, just have the elders in training come up. I'd love for you to at least, if anything, see their faces. I mean, I call them elders in training because they're, they're not uh, official ordained elders yet. We're, we're going through a whole process of, of implementing elders and deacons. Yes, we're going back to the old school word called deacon. We're not changing verbiages because it just is irrelevant to the culture. I could care less about that. If God said it, it's good. Right? Amen. So we're just gonna do it his way. And I uh what I mean by this, we're just gonna have people pray for you. And I just think that if um if you guys would be honest about your season, if you need prayer and just breakthrough, um if you feel like you're in that valley of the shadow of death and that gloomy you got a cloud hanging over you let's ask that the lord be gracious and move that cloud and really it's just like the even almost like prophetically even from when we got here it was all gloomy and rainy and cloudy and we're like oh what a weekend this might be and then the next day it's just bright sunny this morning it was just a glorious day it makes you want to stay all for for the rest of the day kind of thing and i just i'm believing that people this morning will have that breakthrough and so father we we ask you lord for your grace and your mercy